0: damn bro you make some decisions look so questionable out there you're now listening to the wandering buffalo podcast with your hosts andrew chang and justin goddard Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Built-in Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Goddard. Tonight, Justin and I are going to talk about how Josh Allen and Sean McDermott extends their uh, legal guardianship over <laughs> the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores by beating them on Halloween Day for, for a score of 26-11. to 11. We'll talk about all the highlights, lowlights, takeaways, and just our general feelings uh, about that game. Um, but first, as always, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms, and even on YouTube by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We also have amazing colleagues and content creators over at the Built-in Buffalo Network, so check them out. But
1: first and always, Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, Riding high off this win, it was uh, a little bit of a weird game, um, but kind of as as anticipated, it was a a closer game in the division than the first game. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting out of there with the W, it doesn't really matter how it happens. I'm glad to be riding high on a win this week. How are you today? I'm
0: doing great. I I can't complain. It's another Bills W and uh, one step closer to the playoffs, hopefully. (laughs) Anyways, let's just jump right into this game. We got to start with Josh Allen, of course. The man went 29-42, of a completion percentage of 69%, average target of 5.9 yards per pass. I'm going to put an asterisk there because it kind of really tells the tale of what kind of game we had. A quarterback rating of 100.2. Like I said, start off really slow, but in the second half you saw things starting to click. Continuity with uh, certain receivers, a.k.a. Beasley. And uh, finished off strong, getting three touchdowns in that second half. And, I, you know, I, the first half was slow, right? And I don't know if you necessarily can put that all on Josh Allen because Dayball was so committed to the run game and we'll get to the rushing attack here in just a minute um, or later on in the episode but I think that was a big reason why Josh Allen uh, wasn't as productive in the first half and Justin you already know my favorite play it's that goodbye wave that he did to Christian Wilkins, and basically the entire Dolphins defense (laughs) almost caught like 17 taunting penalties in my opinion but you know whatever <laughs> we'll
1: take it yeah you take the good with the bad of um course. my favorite play has to be the Gabe Davis touchdown I mean not only for Gabe Davis but what Josh and Josh had to do to get that ball there he's running for his life he's getting his face ripped off and still throws a perfect ball um but yeah kind of like you said it was a it was a slow start to the game definitely a, a tale of two halves for him And I think this is a game where we kind of went in with one game plan um, and we're kind of trying to stick to that a little bit too much. And by the time we pivoted, it might have been too late against a lot of teams, but we were able to come out in the second half and kind of switch up what we were were asking the offense to do. And it it really translated and Josh had a terrific second half, Um, really was able to get some of the some of the profits, some of the short stuff going. Um, I really liked the swing passes they got going. Yeah. And just kind of with a different game plan, you know, you saw very little production in, in the first half, and then second half was totally different game. Yeah,
0: and, you know, Josh Allen, he, he really started looking like that uh, $42.5 million man in that second half, and I was very, very happy. And we'll, we'll – explain his importance uh, a little more as we get through this episode, especially when we get to the rushing attack. I I have an interesting stat out there for you. (laughs) Anyways, let's transition to the offensive line here. So one thing I noticed is, which if you're a Bills fan and you pay attention to the offensive line combos, you understand that Spencer Brown was out. So what they did was shift John Feliciano to right guard. Walker came off the bench, filled in at left guard, and then Darryl Williams kicked out to right tackle, all because Spencer Brown couldn't play, and I thought they were okay today, and un- I guess unfortunately and unsurprisingly, John Feliciano was the weak link, because he got, he got got, and he also got hurt, and he's already listed as doubtful against Jacksonville, and... We'll see what kind of combo gets trotted out there next week against so the Jacksonville Jaguars, If especially if Spencer Brown can't go. I, I don't even know what they do in that situation. But, Justin, what, what were your overall thoughts about this offensive line combo and just how their performance was in general?
1: Uh, well, for starters, I'll say that I really hope that we have Spencer Brown back next week. Right. Um, I think Feliciano getting hurt is unfortunate when – you're already banged up across the offensive line. Um, But he's a much easier player to replace right now than Spencer Brown. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as this past Sunday's game went, I feel like it's kind of a situation where it's nice having the versatility, um, but almost makes it kind of get too cute when somebody gets hurt. For me, um, I'd almost rather have a a one-for-one swap for Spencer Brown and and know where that weakness is going to be and be able to pitch in with some, maybe a fullback in the backfield chipping or run some more tight end sets, knowing that you're going to have to give some help to the right tackle the whole game. Um, for me, when you start switching, you know, people are playing on the opposite f- side and then you're bringing in Bucker off the bench and it's just too many moving pieces, too many too many different assignments to to have to be ready for. Um, especially at such short notice. Um, I think if Brown's able to go, we're in a lot better position next week. I think Botker can pretty much step in one for one for Feliciano. Um, but if both of them can't go, um, we might be seeing some Cody Ford at right tackle. Yeah, or maybe they'll kick out Dale Williams to right tackle. He was a
0: former All-Pro there, and that's very interesting that you would almost rather have a, just a one-for-one a one swap. And I understand why the Bills made that change because, you know, it's, I guess, familiar with them with Darrell Williams kicking out to the right. However, I think there is some truth, and I I definitely see where you're coming from when you almost would rather keep things exactly the same but nowhere your weak spot is coming from when you do the shuffling that the bills decided to go with you have a lot of question marks there right but if you swap out I don't know let's say they did insert Cody for Ryan Bates at right tackle because Spencer Brown couldn't go you know where to shift the line and where to give more attention to it so that's that's very interesting and I'd be curious if the bills ever tried to do something like that, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's those are the those are the million dollar questions and the reason why professionals do it, and we're just stupid podcasters. <laughs> well, let's move on to the tight end room, and I thought Tommy Sweeney did a pretty good job out there. Um, getting his first you know start, he caught three or four passes for thirty yards, and I you know when he was coming out. Uh, I think he got drafted the same year as Dawson Knox, am, am I right? Yeah, he got—he was like the seventh round out of Boston. When he was coming out in the preseason game, specifically against Carolina, I thought he was more of a natural pass catcher than Dawson Knox was. And we know Dawson Knox, you know, catching woes, and he's come a long way since then. But I, I think that Tommy Sweeney did exactly what Brian Dable and this offense asked him to do, you know, contribute. He got us a first down, blocked. He he wasn't terrible and that's all the Bills really needed from him. And I'm just I know I'm just very proud of of this guy considering the path that he's been on, you know, basically out first year cuz I think he broke his foot or something like that or something something with like a foot injury and then the next year the guy gets covid, gets a heart complication as a result of it and basically out. And then this year they bring in Jacob Hollister and you just automatically kind of assume he's not making the team, but he makes the team and he's contributing. So good, good stuff for him. And uh, I'll I'll give you my favorite play after your thoughts.
1: Yeah. I I think Sweeney overall had a pretty good game for, you know, I didn't have the highest expectations for him going into this game. Um, but he kind of reminded me of like a three four year three, four year ago like Tyler Croft role where we weren't really expecting you to take over the game or anything, but when the opportunities are there, you know, and we the ball comes your way, catch the ball, get the yards that are there. Um he had he had a big first down conversion, um third down conversion rather. Um I think it was in late third, early fourth quarter, um, Mm -hmm. just to keep the chains moving. And, you know, kind of just to echo what you said, and and I don't think it can be understated, this guy had a really tough journey to ever make it to a football field, starting with just being a seventh-round pick um, and then battling the injuries the first year, dealing with COVID, dealing with a heart complication from it. You know, this is a guy that I was kind of looking at like, it sucks that it's because of you know a heart problem, but I, I kind of figured his career was over. Um, so just to see him out there with that top tier caliber athletes and and making plays after everything he's been through, that nothing but respect for the man. And I hope he continues to do well. Yeah, and I my favorite play from him
0: was when he got called for that false start and he was like no 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 i i I can shift i can shift and then when the re- uh when they on cbs when they showed the replay he definitely false started he was like no no that that was totally legal it's just <laughs> resetting yeah guy le- let, let me be I, I know i know the rules <laughs> but he he thought he could get away with it uh so funny let's move on to the wide receivers here justin and you know, as I mentioned, the average depth of target for Josh Allen was 5.9 yards, and it's a huge short passing day for them, and even a bigger day for Cole Beasley, right? I I, I even tweeted out when Beasley was starting to heat up, like saying, the only boos I want to hear are from the fans that are dressed up as ghosts in the crowd, <laughs> because this man is going in right now and when it was all said and done he had 10 catches on 13 targets for 110 yards unbelievable day and you know just really contributed to josh allen's second half efforts and then you look at Diggs caught five out of seven uh five out of seven passes for 40 yards one of which was a td gabriel davis which you allude to caught You know, start heating up, catching four out of five targets, one of which, again, was a touchdown pass from Josh Allen, which, again, is my favorite play out of all the, uh, you know, wide receiver plays. And, you know, Emmanuel Sanders had a lonely zero catches on four targets and zero yards. So kind of an upsetting day for him. But overall, I, I, I was happy with how this wide receiver room balled out.
1: Yeah. So for me, this is the this is the beauty of the wide receiver depth that we have. Um, you have a team in Miami. They got Byron Jones and Xavier and Howard. Uh, they're they're both, you know, top flight starting number one cornerbacks, and they have they have them playing opposite each other. Um, so a game where Diggs was a little quieter. You know, we didn't see any receptions for Sanders, but it seems like it's kind of a week to week you see a lot of like riding the hot hand with running backs, but we kind of have that in our receiving core um, where, you know, we've seen weeks where Beasley has next to nothing, but Emmanuel Sanders has a hundred yards. We saw Diggs have a big game this week. It was Beasley and it's kind of, you know, the ball's getting spread around, but each week it seems like it's a different guy having a big game. So like, I can only imagine being a defensive coordinator, um, you know, game planning this week and like, okay, we got to take away Diggs, and we got to take away Sanders. They've been killing teams, and then just Mm -hmm. Bees goes off for 100 yards on you. Um, I have to say my favorite play of the game, it has to be in the third quarter, Bees converting that third and 13, the first one. He had two of them. The first one. Yeah. (laughs) He had had two third and 13 conversions, but that first one was really kind of just a spark for – a team that had been struggling and it goes on to be i think it was a 13 play 80 yard touchdown drive and the first touchdown of the game and i'm not sure the game looks the same at the end of it if we don't get that conversion i will say the only thing i'll say against beasley for this game is that passing play that they did love the oh yeah love the idea <laughs> love the idea of it and i know you know a receiver gets a chance to throw a touchdown and and he's throwing that ball um but the, the coaching's got to be there that you know if they sniff out the play and it's double covered and one of them's Xavier Howard please just throw the ball out of bounds uh <laughs> i can't blame him for trying the pass cuz if it was me i'd i'd be hurling that ball up too but i think we were very fortunate to not have a turnover in that situation very fortunate yeah
0: i It's funny because as soon as I saw Beasley go in the backfield, go behind Josh Allen, I was like, I thought to myself, like, is this that Beasley passing play? And then it was. So like, if I could sniff it out from like my TV, I I I just imagine professional players are like, I know this play. (laughs) Howard's like, I know it's
1: happening. I'm gonna get an
0: interception. But he didn't. And that's all that matters. So they live to fight another day. But uh, yeah, no, that I, I forgot about that one. Good, good, good play selection. That's that's funny. Thank you. Let's move on to the running backs here. And oh boy, the rushing attack did not work on Halloween against the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if it's because the team was trotting out a new offensive line combo, the lackluster of talent that we have in the running back room, Um, but this, this Bill's rushing attack was so hard to watch, and I'll quickly go over this, but like Moss, he, he did well when he caught the ball, catching six out of seven, good for like 39 yards, you know, that's pretty good, Um, but when he was rushing the ball, he had 19 yards on Eight carries, that's only good for 2.4 yards on average. And then you look at Singletary, he only caught the ball ball once for one measly little yard. But then when he rushed, he got 28 yards on seven carries, an average of four yards per average. So they were almost like flip-flopped, I guess. One could catch, one could rush, but neither could really do both. And not, not saying four yards on average from Singletary is good enough but it it was better than 2.4 yards from moss but here's the kicker justin and this is what i alluded to earlier in the episode Allen had more yards on the ground than both of them combined on half of their combined carries so i think each of them yeah so Moss had it seven times, Singletary had it eight times, Allen had it eight times. They they both, Moss and Singletary couldn't amount to Josh Allen's 55 yards between both of them when they had double, double the carries. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, the the run game goes through, I guess I'd say it's more spurts of being decent, but I I struggle with how I feel about the run game cuz I think it's a combination of all the factors. I don't think our offensive line is opening up enough holes for the running backs. Mm-hmm. I feel like the running backs aren't talented enough to make something out of nothing if they don't have a hole there. They're both fine. Moss is fine at, you know, putting down his shoulder and getting through a guy, but he's got to get a few yards on the field first. Singletary Mm -hmm. will make the first guy miss, but if the first guy he's got to make misses behind the line of scrimmage, there's somebody else there to clean it up. Um, So I think this week in particular, it was kind of like the whole first half. It was just like ramming your head against a wall. Like we were having no success. And I'm a big advocate for having some balance to the team and being able to sprinkle in the run plays. But – There has to be some sort of effectiveness to it. And I think in the first half it was also very predictable. It was a lot of, you know, first and ten, we're running the ball. And then, you know, you're starting out so many drives, you know, we gain one yard or we lose two yards, and you're starting out so many drives behind the sticks. Um, So I think this continues to be an issue from last year. Um, we've had a couple of weeks where it looks like it might be getting a little bit better. And then we put up this stinker of a week. So I don't know that the answer is on the team. And with the offensive line that we have currently, I don't think either of these running backs are good enough to really have a big day with, without the holes being opened up. So unless you're bringing in an elite talent at running back, I I just don't see much changing. Yeah. And I think Joe Marino
0: said something along those lines too and he commented on how McDermott was saying like oh you want you want to be two dimensional on offense but unfortunately with what we have in the backfield we can't really be that where it it's like Moss and Singletary don't scare defenses they don't and the Bills know that but they're still gonna try, which I understand, but it, it's just not effective, at least right now. Who knows what happened? And like I said, the new offensive line combo that we put out there could have been a you know a huge reason why the run game was ineffective. But uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see as the season unfolds.
1: Yeah, and ju- to your point there, I I understand the not wanting to be one dimensional. Um, you know, letting defenses plan for just the pass and, you know, never having the threat of the run. But we did that last year and it worked really well. And I understand teams adjust and get film and have different game plans, but we had no running game last year and we were like, okay, well, if we can't run the ball, we're going to, Josh is going to throw it 50 times a game. And just Mm -hmm. honestly, in, in some of the situations, it just feels like we're taking an opportunity away from what the strength is of the team. So and it's just hard for me right now. Yeah. It's,
0: it's hard to justify taking snaps away from Josh Allen and giving it to whoever in the backfield. Yeah. I agree with that. Let's move on to special teams, Justin, before we get into the break, um, Matt Hawk. He's just a holder, right? His punts are too wishy-washy for me. He had a 19 yard punt, but then after that, he kind of bounced back, I guess with, being consistent and I'm using air quotes here because that 19 yard punt was so bad. And then Tyler Bass, you know, he's the beneficiary of Matt Hawks holding technique because he made 57 yards look easy and he was doing pretty good uh, out there. And I think we got a good one, Bass. And I'll wrap up here by talking about McKenzie and damn, bro, you make some, Decisions look so questionable out there, and he's too wishy washy for me, too. Like, I, I don't know. And thank God for Jake kumro And I, I I, put out a tweet saying, you know, Jake, I mean, McKenzie was probably just like, oh, oh crap, oh crap. And then kumro was like that SpongeBob me that's like taking deep breaths because he had to hustle to the ball, like where he's taking like behind the rock and he's like a naked I He's like, who? <laughs> I think I, I
1: think we all felt like that SpongeBob meme that day. Yeah that that was Isaiah. It could have been bad. That was Isaiah McKenzie hurting my heart again. And I guess that's as good a place a, as I need to start. Um, this is kind of something that I've talked about before the season started. I love the fact that he has the explosiveness to him. Um, if you like need that in a situation but the most important part of the return game to me is making sure the ball ends up back in Josh Allen's hands. And at at this point he's, when he gets the ball in his hands and starts running, I'm like, Oh cool. Something big might happen. And when the ball is in the air and going to him, I'm holding my breath every time. And, that to me is is very problematic because I just want our offense is talented enough that we don't need to thrive on, you know, getting a 30 yard punt return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what Marquez Stevenson's health is or what he would look like as a punt returner, but I'm getting to the point where I want to take a look at it. Um, Either that or putting Micah Hyde back there, right? <laughs> I just
0: guarantee a catch.
1: Yeah. I like that idea on paper, but I don't want Hyde taking any, any unnecessary hits. Uh, you know, somebody getting pushed into him or something either. I'd almost mm. rather the ball just be punted and downed wherever it goes than have anybody back there right now. <laughs> just we'll take the ball wherever it, wherever it ends up. Right. Right. Um, well, well, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, so Matt Hawk for me, Every time he is punting I'm holding my breath in a similar fashion. Um but what I've started doing, I don't I haven't told you this one yet is okay. I've started reminding myself um that Corey Bohorkas I think he only qualified for the the punting award for average oh, yeah. by by one punt and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of not thinking about Matt Hawk at all as a punter. I'm just planning on him not punting enough to ruin my day, and if the trade-off is I we have a punter that doesn't really have to be used, and it affords us Tyler Bass hitting 57-yard field goals, I, I guess I can live with that. Um, I'd rather I'd rather be able to have somebody that puts points on the board in Bass because he has good holds than having beautiful punts. I guess.
0: Yeah. Any. Significant field goal or, you know, impactful play made by Tyler Bass is validation enough that Bajorquez boh- was not the guy. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. And that's going to wrap it up for the offense and special teams. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up today's episode by talking about the defensive highlights uh, and recapping, just in general, our our thoughts about how they performed against Tua Tungabailoa and the Miami Dolphins. So we're going to start with the defensive line here. And I thought this game for them started off slow, but it was clear that the Dolphins didn't want – what happened in week 2 to happen again to Tua like you know they were like let's try to keep our quarterback upright and i think that they paid a lot of attention to the edge positions as a result but that just kind of left you know at Oliver to just feast up in the middle and boy did he have a game and he won't really show up in the stat box but this man was just out there and if you were watching the game you saw his impact it kind of like kind of like how AJ Appanessa didn't really show up in the stat box in week two, but he had like nine QB pressures or something like that, something something absurd. So Ed Oliver had himself a great day. And he, hey, even the old timers got got sacks. Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes both got a sack each, and Groot looked good. Looked like he was back on track. And I, I guess I'll say this to before I kick your you know kick the ball in your court for your. Opinions on the defensive line, how was that not illegal hands to the face on that forty yard pass to Gusecki the man i I don't know who I forgot who the right tackle was, but they he literally shoved Groot's helmet off his face <laughs> unbelievable
1: yeah i I have no answer for that, and I, I think that was probably their biggest play of the whole day, and it was kind of like I, mm-hmm. I don't know you said something earlier about. Uh, on the Beasley pass, that you could sniff that out from home. I mean, we're watching it on TV and the guy's helmet's rolling around. Like, the helmets don't come off by themselves, but... Definitely not. Yeah, is what it is. Um, But, yeah, I think the defensive line played overall pretty well. I think the Dolphins definitely came in with a game plan of, we need to get this ball out of Tua's hands quickly, and it wasn't the the statistical eye-popping numbers that we had against them in week two. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to think of a better game I've seen from Ed Oliver as a bill. I, I certainly don't think I've seen it yet this year. And like you said, it, it's not going to st- show up on the stat sheet what he did this week. I think his overall stats only was like two tackles, one tackle for a loss, something like that. But that man was coming right up the middle, playing on fire, um, Really, really just... It's almost as good as a sack to me to to really have pressure in your face that fast and add Oliver sprinting at you. That just sounds terrifying. Um, but yeah, the the only sore spot for me here, I, th- I think Harrison Phillips had a decent game. Uh, I'm all set on Vernon Butler. I, yeah. I think uh, any snaps he's taking away from anybody, I understand they want to do the, the rotation and keep guys fresh. Um, but I'd... I'd rather have one of our other guys half winded out there than, than see Vern, <laughs> Vernon Butler on another down. I'd rather have FA or like Boogie
0: get kicked yeah. inside than see him. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's transition to linebackers and I got a feeling that this is gonna be a quick quick one for us because Milano Edmonds, they just keep having really good, consistent uh plays out there. So far into the season, they are just doing really, really good. And if Edmonds keeps up this level of play, he's he's gonna get paid. No, no doubt in my mind, he he's gonna get paid. And that might upset some Bills Mafia fans out there, but I I think I think so far he's earned it. <laughs> and Milano is showing the reason why he should have been compensated this off season, and he's doing great himself. And I especially love him in coverage. So I'll turn the turn the keys over to you to talk about the linebackers, Justin.
1: Yeah, I think Milano continues to be fantastic. He's the guy that we know he is. He's playing lights out. Um, the one for me is Edmonds. We know going back not, not too long ago, probably within about the last month, um, I had lots of reservations on Edmonds, and it, it was really only to do with the fact that he's about to get a huge contract and it was literally like since the week I said that, that he just has started looking just top notch. He's playing loose. He's playing instinctive. And I have to point out because I, I've had a couple buddies, you know, chirping at me about the the missed tackle that he had in the open field. I think it was on Gaskin. Um, I'm giving my man a pass on that. First of all, everybody misses some tackles. Um, granted it has been something that he struggled with, but that was a play where Sean McDermott was literally sprinting down the sideline, trying to get a timeout in. There was something about that play that he knew that he didn't have his defense set up for success and, Mm -hmm. and the Dolphins got one on us and whatever. Edmonds has been playing great and I eat all of the crow. I'm sorry, Tremaine. No, keep it up. Even though I, I like where this is going
0: <laughs> let's transition to the cornerbacks here and I thought that they had a really really good day today and if I got a point at someone having a bad day again I'm using air quotes here it's got to be Levi right and the first half was wasn't ideal for him of course he's gonna get a lot of targets because Trey white is the opposite corner from him but you know Devontae Parker he he had himself a pretty good football game in my opinion I think he went almost got 100 yards on us Um, but at the same time his impact Devontae Parker's impact of the game really didn't continue in the second half and for all the gripe that people want to give Levi for his performance in that game he, he looked his his worst i guess in the first half and the dolphins only got three points away from it so does it really matter i guess so but the scoreboard will tell you something else (laughs) the second half performance was way better from him and you know we got to talk about trey white here looked like an absolute shutdown corner teron johnson looked great Jalen Waddle basically wasn't a factor in this game, and if you take away that long, long pass from Gascky, he's only two for three for eight yards. So, and I understand that was kind of on uh, Micah Hyde, but still, they they did a good job on receiving uh, the passes from uh,
1: to a tongue of Iowa today. Yeah, this was this is one of my favorite games from Trey that I can remember recently. It was – the Dolphins weren't scared to go after him, and I don't know why they continued to do it because they weren't having success there. Um, But I I think Trey sometimes gets lost in how good he is and how much of an impact he has on this team because people simply don't throw his way. So he's not really Mm -hmm. impacting the game. And, you know, they got a couple on him, whatever. That happens to everybody. But the number of, like, pass breakups that he had – he he had one uh, the one on Gusecki. Yeah, he might have got there a little early, but <laughs> it was just kind of funny seeing him at the end of the play on Gusecki's back. It looked like some. I was gonna
0: say that was my favorite <laughs> favorite play because he 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 basically just hopped up on him and he's like, "Let's go!
1: Like, I'm going for a <laughs> ride, but you're not gonna have the ball." Yeah, but I, yeah, right. I think you know you can say whatever you want about Levi. This is kind of a classic Levi game and he obviously has his limitations, but I think our coaching staff is comfortable with that because they know exactly what they are. Like, does he have to play 7, 10 yards off the ball because he doesn't have the foot speed or the physicality? Like, yeah, but he makes the tackles and he gives up some plays, but you know exactly what you're getting in him. So I don't Mm -hmm. think Levi's going anywhere. I don't think they're going to use... The resources necessary to replace him and i mean if if levi wallace is the biggest the biggest glaring need on on your defense you have a pretty pretty solid unit so overall i thought it was a pretty good day well said well said let's transition to the last position group here
0: and to the safeties again this will be a quick one because boyer and hyde were amazing once again boyer had a had a nice pick. And uh, Hyde, you know, as I mentioned, he did let up that one big pass to Gusecki, but, you know, whatever. I, I'm not really going to hit on him too much because he also played really well today. And in, in a way, they they wanted Tua to make those kind of throws today, or I guess on Halloween, and he was only good for one time. So it's okay.
1: <laughs> and uh, Hyde also had that fumble recovery and uh a nice return there and that was uh, oh yeah i forgot about that that uh, that that reminded me of like some some drought era bills play where it's like oh we're not supposed to be anywhere near beating this team and we have a chance to go up a score in halftime and and then a snap goes off a player in motion like i've never seen that happen in my life and i'm sitting totally bills thing to do yeah and i'm sitting there thinking like if miami goes up Ten to three at half, they get the ball back, like all right, strap in. And then yeah. you know, it goes the completely other way. So heads up play on uh by Hyde to get that ball back. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, let's
0: transition to the spotlight player of the game and you know there there are some people that we could go here, like Beasley or Oliver, but at least for me and I, I went with that Oliver. I thought his early impact of the game transitioned very well into the second half, which is why I picked him over Beasley. Even though Beasley had a monster game, it just took him to the second half to really get involved, and Oliver was just consistent all throughout the game. So that's that's why I picked my guy, Ed Oliver.
1: Yeah, I think there's a bunch of different directions you could go in this game, and, and most of it was like second-half performance. Um, I went with Trey White just, just because we don't see many games where he gets targeted that much and where he kind of like gets to showcase why he's so good and i feel like there's a lot of weeks where he could be an easy pick but you know when the ball's not coming your way and you're you're barely on the screen for for passing plays because it's going to the opposite side of the field to avoid you it just doesn't stand out as much to the naked eye so him getting champ- chances to impact the game and and really make plays was really fun for me to see so that's my guy this week word word all right well that's going to wrap it up for today's episode go ahead and like
0: comment subscribe and review our podcast as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the built-in buffalo network just and i will be here tomorrow on thursday to give you our you know jacksonville jaguars primer episode We're always looking for great guests on our show, so if you're interested, feel free to reach out to us on our social media platforms if you're interested by looking up the Wandering Buffalo podcast. Justin, where can the people find you? You can
1: find me on any social media at jgods22.
0: And you can always find me on social media by searching up 2Changs. That's going to do it for today's episode. See you tomorrow.